Take your Bibles with me this morning, turning to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. This morning at the end of the service, I will be giving you an opportunity to make a decision that can change the world. That can change the world. There have been many decisions, even in in life's history, that we can see that have changed the world. Uh, Decisions for the positive, decisions that have been negative. But it's amazing how sometimes these decisions come down to one person and have these decisions reflect or affect the whole world. I was just, in my mind, I just thought about the Russian Missile Crisis down around Cuba when they were bringing missiles from Russia and putting them in Cuba. I want you to know the world came that close at that time to being involved in a nuclear holocaust. I mean, that close because of the things that were taking place and decisions were made by men that prevented those things from happening. And it just boiled down to just a couple of men. But what we're going to see this morning is that this decision that Jesus was going to make to go to the cross to make a sacrifice for your sin and my sin, it all boiled down to one decision, and it's in the Garden of Gethsemane that we find Jesus making this decision, and this is what got him through this decision. We can look in chapter 12 and verse 2 of Hebrews And see what it says there. It says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Now this is where Jesus' thoughts come in. It says, Who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. It says, For the joy that was set before Him, He endured the cross. So there had to be a point in time when Jesus had to make the decision to be your sacrifice and my sacrifice, and He saw the cross, but for the joy that was set beyond the cross, He was able to endure the cross. And listen, I know how life is. Life is tough. And sometimes this is exactly where we have to find ourselves. We have to make up our minds for the things that God has promised for us In the future, in eternity, we make a decision today to go forward serving Christ. So we'll look at this message this morning with that being our key verse. Over the last couple of weeks, I have really been concerned about what I would preach this morning. Understanding that Easter is the most important holiday that is celebrated concerning the Christian faith. Now there's one more holiday and in the Christian faith that we celebrate, that being Christmas. And you know, I found something that was very interesting to me concerning Christmas and Resurrection Sunday that just really stood out. I never noticed it before until I began to study for this message. I want you to know, the message on Resurrection Sunday is the most important message that will be preached around the world anytime in our churches, including Soda Baptist Church. And this is the reason. I began to look, and I challenge you to do the same, 
When it comes to the birth of Jesus, there are 27 books in the New Testament. Do you know how many of those books mention the birth of Jesus? Three. We look in the book of Matthew. We see the account of His birth. We look in the book of Luke. We encounter the, the, the events of His birth. And the only other book in the New Testament that even mentions the birth of Jesus is one verse in Galatians chapter 4 which says this, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son made of a woman made under the law. Did you realize how little is said in the New Testament about the birth of Jesus? I want you to know, I was personally surprised myself. When, it, when you just add it up and look at it, I went, wow, that kind of surprised me. But this being the most important holiday that we celebrate as Christians, I also went to the New Testament, 27 books, and discovered of the 27 books, just the opposite of His birth, 24 books in the New Testament mention the resurrection of Jesus or the gospel that includes the resurrection of Jesus. And one of the most important subjects in all of the New Testament is the resurrection of Jesus. I just, I went, wow. Billy Graham was asked one time, they asked him, he said, Billy Graham, if you could preach only one more sermon, what would be the subject that you would preach on? Without hesitation, Billy Graham said, I would preach on the resurrection of Jesus. And this is what he said. He says, For without the resurrection, there is no power in the Christian faith. Without the resurrection. So when we come to this day, Resurrection Sunday, when we come to this day, understand the message that we preach about the resurrection, that is what gives the power unto the Christian faith. I mentioned it this morning at the, the, the graveside or the, the sunrise service. I, I want you to know, without the, Christian, without the resurrection, our faith would be the same as the Buddhist. The Buddhist had one that they called their Messiah or their great one. He died and is now in a tomb People go and fall down and worship that tomb, and he is yet still in the tomb. Islam, alike, had a prophet named Muhammad, and they worshipped him. They thought he was the one that brought the truth. He wrote the Quran, and he assembled it together. But yet, when he died, they put him in a tomb, and he is still yet in that tomb. And they go, and they bow down, and they worship a tomb with bones still in it. The Christian faith, on the other hand, yes, they have a tomb over there, but that tomb is empty because our Savior, Jesus Christ, died, but yet He overcame death. He overcame the sin that was placed on Him on our behalf, and He is alive today. And because He lives, I can face tomorrow. And that's what we're talking about this morning. With this in mind, let me give you a quick outline of the message that I want to bring to you this morning. First of all, I want us to see that Jesus and His disciples knew exactly what was going on, what was going to take place the last week that Jesus spent on this earth before His resurrection. 
Last week we discussed the triumphant entry and we looked at that. But just want to make sure that we understand that. We'll look at that. Point number two is I want to show you how Jesus prepared himself and made the decision to follow through going to the cross. In other words, we'll be discussing and looking at the scripture where Jesus goes to Gethsemane. And he is at the, in Gethsemane and he is praying and how he makes that decision to follow through to the cross. Point number three, I want to give you a story, a true story about a man that made a decision. Again, like I was mentioning earlier, that changed the world. And I, I don't mind telling you, this is not a man that I really knew anything about. It involves a civil war. It is, involves a decision that he made during that civil war that, that turned the tide of the nation, the United States of America, and had that decision he made that day not been made, this, the United States may have been a completely different nation than it is, which again would have changed the whole world. One man made one decision, and we'll look at that. The last point I want to make this morning I want to invite you to make a decision that can change the world around you. That can change the world around you. If you do not know Christ as your personal Savior, I want you to know inviting Christ into your life and forgiving, asking Him to forgive you of your sins, believing in the resurrection and what He done on the cross for us, I want you to know changes your world. I was talking to a guy the other day. He just newly came to know the Lord as his personal Savior. He said, Brother Wayne, he said, before I became saved, there is no way I could have ever explained to anyone what I'm experiencing now. He said, there's, there's no... He says, you can't know what salvation does for you until you accept the Lord. He said, you have told me and told me and told me all about this. He said, but I never understood it until now that I know the Lord. He said, my goodness, He has changed my life. He said, I never believed that I could stop wanting alcohol or stop wanting drugs. I never believed that I could ever want that. But He said, now that Jesus is in my life, He says, man, I don't even have those desires anymore. They've been taken away from me. I want you to know, Jesus can rock your world. He can change. One decision can change your world. So let's go back to point number one. We spoke last week that Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem, He knew all that was going to be taking place this week. And, and, and yet He still completed and went through with it. In John chapter 2 and verse 19, He tells us, He tells everyone around Him, He said, listen, to destroy this temple, and in three days I will bring it back up. Now, now, what do you think they thought he was talking about? They, they thought he was talking about this actual temple that they were in the process of rebuilding that they had already built on for 46 years. And they're saying, you're going to destroy this temple that we built on for 46 years and you're going to rebuild it in three days? That's not the temple he was talking about. What was the temple he was talking about? He's talking about his body. That's the exact temple that he was talking about. But he told them this. He says, you tear this temple down, and in three days, I will rebuild it. In Matthew chapter 12 and verse 40, he says this, For as Jonah 
was three days and three nights in the belly of the whale, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. He did not hide the fact that Jesus knew that He was going into Jerusalem, that He would be put to death, and that He would rise three days later. He knew that. He told them that going in. Have you ever, have you ever known that you were going to go do something? I remember when I was in the Navy, I was... I had to have a surgical procedure done. And listen, as long as we were talking about it in the doctor's office, everything seemed to be okay. Yeah, this is just going to be a walk in the park. It'll be easy. But now let me tell you something. The day they told me to lay down on that gurney and they started rolling me to the surgery room, I want you to know I began to have different thoughts about this. This is not a walk in the park anymore. This was actually fixing to happen. You see what I'm saying? I mean, Jesus is telling them, hey, I'm going to die. I'll raise my body up. I, the day's going to come, and I'll be just like Jonah, three days and three nights in the heart of the earth, and I'll rise again. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 21 says, And from that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, and that he will be killed, and he will be raised again three days later. Again. Jesus is beginning to tell them this. This is what's going to happen to me. I'm going into Jerusalem. They're going to put me to death, and I will rise three days later. He gets a little more detailed with it in Matthew chapter 20, verse 18. He says, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be betrayed unto the chief priest and to the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death. Now listen to these details and shall be delivering him to the Gentiles to mock, to scourge, and to crucify him. And the third day he will rise again. Jesus is not hiding anything from them. He said, now listen guys, not only are they going to put me to death, but they're going to do these things to me also. In Matthew 26, he again says, Then saith Jesus unto them, All of you shall be offended because of me, this night, for this is how it is written, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep and the flock shall be scattered abroad. But after I am risen again, I will go before you in Galilee. Is Jesus hiding the fact that he will rise from the grave? Oh my goodness. He was letting them know, letting them know, letting them know, I will rise again. It was a whole lot more than just the physical pain that Jesus suffered. As Jesus goes to the, to the nation of Israel as the sacrifice, one of his twelve betrays him, turns him over to the high priest while he's in the garden praying. One of his close confidants, Peter, denies him. Boy, what a spit in the face when your own friends, I mean your closest confidant, won't even claim that he even knows you. Those are the things that Jesus recognizes that is about to come. Matthew 27, 62 and 63, he again says that he is going to die and he will be put in the grave and again he will rise three days later. What I want us to notice in this point one this morning is that it was no surprise what was taking place in Jerusalem. You can go back in the Old Testament scriptures. My goodness, Psalms 22 Psalms 22 almost describes the, the crucifixion to a T. 
how they would gamble off his clothes, how his legs would not be broken, how he would cry out on the cross, I thirst, how he would say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I mean, go back to Psalms 22. Jesus knew. Jesus knew all this was coming. (laughs) Believe me, many of us, when we realize that we've got an event coming up, we know it's, it's easy to talk about until the event actually comes to be upon us. Number two. The question is, how did Jesus prepare for this time that was now upon Him? Matthew 26 and verse 36. I kind of think of this as the time like when they put me on the gurney and I began to have second thoughts. Because, I mean, within just a few minutes... They were going to ask me to count back from 100. I think I got to about 96 before I didn't know what was going on after that. But here Jesus is. He's just had the Last Supper with His disciples. He turns to Judas and He says, Go do that deed that Satan has given you to do. Judas leaves the upper room and he goes and he finds the high priest and they gather up an army to come and to take Jesus Then he takes his other eleven disciples with him and they're making their way to the Mount of Olives. They come to the Garden of Gethsemane. And this is this account. Matthew 26 and verse 36 says, Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane. And he sat upon the disciple, or he saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the son of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye with me, and watch with me. So then he went a little farther, and he fell on his face, and he prayed, saying, O my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou will. (laughs) I don't know how many times we've read the scripture in here where it tells us, it says, before the foundation of the world was ever laid, Jesus was our Savior. I want you to know, Jesus knew this day was coming. And the day has now arrived. He knew it was coming. It's prophesied everything in the Old Testament. So many things. How His hands would be pierced. How His side would be pierced. How the guards would gamble for His garments. All of this, He knew this was coming. But now it's time. He says, Father, if there's any other way that this cup pass from me. Verse 40 says, And he cometh unto his disciples, and he found them asleep. He said unto Peter, What, could you not watch with me for one hour? Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again the second time, and he prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. God, if there's any other way, let it be. But not my will, thy will. You finish reading that scriptures, you're going to see that he goes back, he finds his disciples asleep again the second time. And he turns and he goes back and he prays the third time. Lord, if there be any other way, Let this cup pass from me. He says, not my will, but thy will be done. 
So what we have to see, when Jesus is sitting there and He consoles with His Father, understand, He sees this, He knew this was going to happen, but remember Hebrews 1 and verse 2? It was in that moment that He says, For the joy that was set before Him, He sees past the cross. He says, Lord, not my will, but Thy will be done. I make the decision to give my life for you. Who in the world would willingly go and give themselves on a cross so that someone else might have life, just like the song said? He could have called 10,000 angels. What was his motivation? What was Jesus' motivation? And as I look and see every face out in this congregation this morning, I want you to know I see the motivation behind Jesus. The motivation behind Jesus was to give you the opportunity to accept or reject the fact that He loves you so much He paid your sin debt. And all He asked from us this morning is to believe it. Believe by faith that He has done what He has done and He done it on your behalf. A decision that is to be made. That's point number two. Point number three is this. I want to tell you about a man that I don't know if I mention his name, if anybody will even recognize who he is. Joshua Chamberlain? Anybody? Joshua Chamberlain. He was a colonel in the Union Army. 1862. In 1862, General Lee, the Confederate Army, he had just had several victories in the South and he was making his way up. He was headed to the Capitol. He was fixing to storm the Capitol and he is going to take over the nation of the United States of America, General Lee. But before they could get there, they had to go through Gettysburg. Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. This is where Joshua Chandler, uh, Chamberlain comes in. 1862 on July the 3rd, Mr. Chamberlain comes in. He's a colonel. And he comes in. He has 386 men from him, with him. And they are from Maine. A group of men came down from Maine. They have gathered up the Union Army and they're just south of Gettysburg. The, the, uh, the, the army for the, the Confederacy is below them. They are outnumbered four to one. General Lee says, man, this is just going to be a cakewalk. We're going to just mow them down and just keep on going. There's nothing to stop us now. Now the Union Army did have high ground. They were up on a hill and they were, while they were up on this hill, they were, it was easy to defend the hill. The Joshua Chamberlain's, his general came to him and he says, Listen, you need to understand how important us holding this hill is. He said, You must guard this hill with all cost. Whatever it takes. He says, The whole war depends on this one hill. Now, I'm telling you, when I give you this number in just a second, understand that he was not the only one guarding this hill. The whole Union Army has surrounded this hill and they're guarding this hill 
And he is just a portion of this. But his general tells him, he says, listen, this is the most important battle that we will fight. As a matter of fact, this was the bloodiest battle the United States of America has ever had. 35,000 Americans died that day from both sides. It was a mighty bloody battle. General Lee has, has come and fought against this hill four times on July the 3rd. They made a push. Union Army held them back. They made a push. Union Army held them back. They made a push four times. They've attacked the hill. And they have gotten weary. Joshua Chamberlain now is down to about 150 men. They only have two bullets apiece. And the Union Army, if they make another push, they're not going to make it. He stood there and he understood that, that without the right decision at this moment, the, the Union Army could lose the whole war at this point. He has his back up against the wall. He has just, the odds against him are just outstanding. Four to one, the, the, the southern army had against them. And he had to make a decision. Quit. Stand up and go forward. He had to make a decision. This was his decision. He called his junior officers to him. And he says, listen, this is what we're going to do. And I want you to know... The war college that he went to did not teach him a maneuver that he was fixing to tell his junior officers to do. He said, listen, they'll not expect this, but this is a decision that's going to change the world around us. He says, we must win this war. We must win this battle. We must protect this hill, for if they get past us, this war is over. He called his men together. And he says, men, we've got to lay it on the line. We've got to lay it on the line. This is the moment that you've been created for. And he says, I'm going to stand and I'm going to holler charge and I'm going to tell you, men, fix fix bayonets. We don't have another bullet to shoot. He said, the only thing that we have left is to stand and charge the men that are trying to take our lives. He stood out in the front of his men on a rock and he, he yelled, fix bayonets. And then he yelled, charge. Brother Wayne, that just sounds like a war story. It is a war story. But without that decision that day, without that decision, the United States of America would not be what it is today. That war at Gettysburg changed and turned the whole war to what we know America is today. It all pivoted around that one man's decision to make a stand. Well, Brother Wayne, that doesn't sound like much of a resurrection story. 
I want you to be able to relate what I'm saying here. Jesus, when He was in the Garden of Gethsemane, made a decision that changed the world. He put His eyes beyond the cross, beyond the suffering, beyond the despisement, beyond the humiliation. He put His eyes beyond all of that and He says, Listen, I'm going to do this because I love every single person that's ever entered into this world and I'm doing it for them. I'm doing it for you. I've made this decision to be obedient to the Father and to give myself so that three days after they put this body to death, I will rise again and give power to all men who put their faith and trust in me. All based on the resurrection. So this is where we come to this last decision. Point number four. Point number four is your decision this morning. Point number four is when we see what He has done on the cross for us, what He done in the tomb for us, how He rose from the grave and gave us power to have that resurrection power when the Spirit comes into us. Listen, I'm telling you this morning, the decision you make this morning as you walk out, and watch this, everyone here will make a decision one way or another. We'll all make a decision. But there's one decision. If you're here without Christ, I am telling you that decision to follow after Christ, believe that He died on the cross for your sins, and follow after Him, I'm telling you that decision will change the world around you forever. You know, the Scripture tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18, the Scripture tells us that the world will say that the preaching of the cross is foolishness. The preaching of the cross is foolishness. Today, this is just another fishing day for some. This is just an, a long weekend because Friday was a, was a holiday. This is just a long weekend for some. They call this preaching of the cross foolishness. But I tell you, we that are born again, this is the power that God has given us, and it is through the resurrection. Romans 10 and 9 says that if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the mouth confession is made into salvation, but with the heart our, our, our lives are redeemed, our sins have been paid for Scripture goes on to say in verse 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I was mentioning this morning, we need to understand that not everyone who says that I believe in God are born again. Just because you believe in God is not enough. Just because you believe in Jesus is not enough. The Scripture says in order for you to be saved, you must believe in His death. You must believe in His burial. You must believe in His resurrection in order to have eternal life. What's the decision you will make this morning concerning Jesus? Again, Resurrection Sunday, the greatest holiday that Christians celebrate, and it's because without the, res without the resurrection, we have no power. Let us pray together.
Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity that you've given me to speak on your behalf this morning, using your word as, as the source of my speaking. Father, we do understand that from the very beginning, the creation of the world was simply because you love mankind and you came to have a relationship with us. You provided everything that's needed in order to have that, that relationship. You require nothing of us except that we accept this free gift, that we believe in this free gift of salvation through your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for this day. Thank you for an opportunity to celebrate it in a free country. God, I'm praying this morning that as we take this opportunity now to make a decision on what we've heard, God, it is my desire that many people, their lives will be changed because of this decision that they're going to make. You gave us an example at the garden where Jesus knelt and he prayed, not my will but thy will. God, you gave us an example through this colonel that stood in that army that day and he said, I've got to give it all today. My prayer is that anyone here that doesn't know Christ will give their all today. God, my prayer for those who are believers that are here today will give their life, give their all to you today. Thank you again for this opportunity. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's stand.